for clarity in thought, speech, and listening, we pray to you, Lord, so that we may understand and act in ways that bring glory to your name. Amen. Amen. Today's readings, I feel, are pretty simple to understand. Do not pass judgment on your brother or sister, and forgive as you are forgiven. And yes, if you don't forgive as you are forgiven, then be ready to be tortured till you do forgive. I feel that is probably an accurate summation of how the entire theological spectrum likes to think today. You see, we are living in an age in which we think that God should act and be what we want God to be. This, by the way, isn't any different from the age of the New Testament. Almost every religious sect and order seems to have that problem in the New Testament. While we are very familiar with Pharisees, Sadducees, and the like having problems with Jesus' seemingly non-conformist understanding of God, we seem to pay much less attention to similar issues with the first Christians. Paul takes this rigidity in holding on to this self-understanding of God very seriously. I love his words. We do not live to ourselves. And we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. These are perhaps the most difficult words to understand and live by today. I feel today, much like in the New Testament time, our pride seems to come from our self-identification. So, we are more concerned with what we do, who we hang out with, what books we read, what agendas we support, even what kind of choices we make for our diet, our environment, etc. Then, who is it that we believe in? Who is it that directs our life? Who is it that shapes our being? As a priest that I met recently so eloquently stated, today we are more concerned about belonging than believing. Most people in church today can easily answer the question of what is it that they belong to? That answer is very black and white across the theological spectrum. But the answer to the question of what is it that you believe often reflects chaos, ambiguity, and confusion. At times it begets frustration to the point that a simple conversation 
about belief becomes impossible. And as I said, this is not a modern problem. This is quite an ancient problem. Just read through Jesus' interactions with the various communities. Moses taught this, but your disciples do this. Agenda-driven communities are not the product of an enlightened world. They are the most primitive state of human condition. Paul has to deal with this issue just like Jesus did. Paul's focus on why who eats meat and who eats vegetables should not be a divisive issue for a community that is in Jesus Christ is really his call to think through the issue of belonging over against believing. Paul wants his audience to focus on believing, not belonging. You can belong to whatever group you want to belong to. That is not what matters. What matters is what do you believe in? And for Paul, even more precisely, who do you believe in? Paul's concern is not social conformity or even non-conformity. His concern is belief. His theology is not challenged if you associate with this one group or the other or attend this speaker's session or that or this political rally or that, or read this book or that. His concern is whether you believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior or not. You can argue over all nuances of salvation that Jesus Christ affords. Even that is not an issue for Paul. The issue is whether you believe or not. So when I look at the life of Jesus Christ, it is very clear to me that his ministry was not about conformity or non-conformity. It was certainly not about associations. That was not even the issue. His concern was belief in that one creator God whose decision it is to love his creation out of limitless parental love. Jesus' ministry was to help us understand the relationship of love. And more importantly, more importantly, its source. And then, to extend that source through that love to all of creation. So today when I look at the church universal and find it quarreling over the issue of belonging in some way or the other, I find a great deficit of belief. And whatever belief that we do articulate today seems to emerge out of our issues of self-identification. For instance, I wonder, how many in church today would be comfortable in saying out loud in the public square, Jesus Christ 
is the Savior at whose name every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Or that Jesus Christ is the vine. And we are the branches. And without Jesus, nothing that we do can bear any fruit. I know it is easier for us to belong than to believe. Interestingly, that was the problem with the slave as well. He did not wish to be sold out and belong to another master. He was comfortable with to whom he belonged. He pleaded his master to not make any changes to his state of belonging. Yet he had a huge deficit in believing that the master actually forgave him. He could not believe that forgiveness was possible. So while he wanted to belong, he could not believe. Perhaps we need to look at ourselves too. Do we belong or do we believe? In the last few weeks, I have met people who have told me all about their love for the church because it is a great community. In reference to 9-11, there is so much being said about belonging to an open and inviting community, a nation that does not hate, refuses to live in fear, etc. Yet, there seems to be near silence about belief. In fact, there is fear that any in-depth conversation about belief may fracture the community and the sense of belonging. May the work of St. Paul and that of Jesus himself help us believe and not simply belong. Amen.